One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello there. This is episode number 401 of Luke's English Podcast, and it's sponsored by italki, which is a great service that you can use to find native speakers, English teachers, language partners, uh, who you can talk to in English on Skype. It's really convenient. You can now have regular conversations and English lessons from the comfort of your own home with italki. Uh, so just go to teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk uh, to check it out. And uh, when you buy some lessons, italki will send you a voucher worth 100 credits, which you can use as a discount. That's because italki sponsor this podcast. So why not take advantage of that offer? Okay, now, Here's a new episode, so let's get started. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. This is episode number 401, and it's about developing your fluency in English. In this episode, I'm going to talk about creativity, open and closed thinking, and about how turning off your internal editor can help you to make more progress in your language learning. So this is episode 401. It feels like the new it feels like the beginning of a new season of the podcast or something, doesn't it? It does for me. Season four of Luke's English Podcast is here. Um, and if you're new to the podcast, then welcome. Um, my name's Luke, and I'm an English teacher from England. This is my podcast. Uh, Luke, that's right, Luke, not look or luck. Uh, Luke, that's spelled L-U-K-E, like Luke Skywalker from Star Wars, right? Um, now, I mention that because a lot of learners of English that I meet get my name wrong, um, and that's both the pronunciation and the spelling, and I've been called some pretty funny things uh, by my students in my time. So there's luck, of course. Look. Um, look, Luke. That's quite a common one. People say that sometimes. Hilarious. Uh, not really, but quite funny. Some some others, some other slightly more obscure ones, like I've been called Rook before. Teacher Rook. Rook. Uh, which is that a, a Rook is a kind of bird. It's like a, it's a bit like a crow. Um, and also it's a piece on the chessboard. You know, the ones on the corners, the castles, they're also called rooks. So rook, I've been called duck before. Duck, which is another kind of bird. Um, like as well. Sometimes um, my name's written like, but I think luck is the most common one. And I see that written down by my students all the time. Um, and also I can see from the statistics on my website uh, the Google searches that people make when they uh, find my site. Uh, so I can see what people are searching uh, in Google with. I can see what they're typing into Google. And a lot of people are searching for teacher luck or teacher like. And they're spelling podcast wrong. So a lot of people are spelling it postcard 
you know, like a postcard that you'd send to someone when you're on holiday, you know, with a, a picture postcard. So, so a lot of people are writing teacher luck postcard or teacher like podcast. That's P-O-T-C-A-S-T. And even podcasts as well. I see that one quite a lot. Teacher luck podcasts. So you're listening to Teacher Luck Podcasts, um, and welcome to the show. So the correct spelling is, of course, L-U-K-E, okay? So that's just L-U-K-E. Don't add the OK at the end, of course. Ha ha. Now, uh, this podcast is here to help you to generally improve your English, specifically British English. Uh, The subtitle of my podcast is Real British English. Um, British English, because I'm British, Um, I grew up in England, um, in London and in the Midlands, in Warwickshire, not far from Stratford-upon-Avon, where Shakespeare was born. Um, So I grew up in London and in the Midlands, and I speak a standard form of British English. And it's called Real British English, uh, because on this podcast, you can listen to the kind of natural, authentic English that people actually use in the real world. Um, I try to present the English language to you in a meaningful context, often by just talking to you in what I hope is an engaging and hopefully entertaining manner in order to help you to keep listening to English regularly over long periods of time. And plenty of research, uh, academic research, has shown that doing exactly that, listening to English regularly over long periods of time when it's kind of authentic English, um, that that can be a really effective way of improving your English long term. So if you'd like to develop natural, communicative English, listening to my podcast can certainly help. Uh, there are also, of course, a number of other things that you can do beyond just listening to this. And obviously, there, there are many areas that you know you can improve. And I'm talking about things like reading and writing and, and grammar and vocabulary and pronunciation and lots of other things. Um, so there, there are lots of other things that you can do beyond, obviously, just listening to this. And I sometimes talk about those things in my episodes in order to give you some ideas, some motivation and some general advice about how you can get a grip on how to learn this language. So... There you go. That's if you're new. If you're not new, if you're a regular listener, then hello. How are you doing? Welcome back to the podcast. I hope all's well in your world. Um, I'm going to be talking about um, this idea of switching off your editor in this episode. And that does relate to the previous episode of this podcast. Uh, I'll talk more about that in a moment. And that's that's what I'm going to be kind of rambling on about throughout this episode. Actually, I say rambling. This one is um, fairly well prepared. I just had the idea the other day when I was thinking about um, episode 400. I just thought about it and I thought, well, it might be worth going into this idea of switching off your editor a little bit more and maybe sort of emphasising how that could be useful for learning English. Um, and um, so so that's what I'm going to be doing in this one. Um, now, before I start all that properly, I just want to mention the Transcript Collaboration. Um, so the, the Transcript Collaboration Project. Now, most of you will know, many of you will know that uh, my lots of my episodes have transcripts, which you can find on the website. Um, if you go to teacherluke.co.uk, click on transcripts in the menu, you can find that many of the episodes have full transcriptions, uh, which you can use to help you know you to improve your English. Um, now, not every single episode is transcribed. Uh, some of them I write out in advance. 
but I try not to do that too much because I'm trying to present a sort of um, spontaneous English, which I think is a bit more natural. Um, so for the ones that are not already transcribed, uh, there is this thing called the Transcript Collaboration Project. And um, so basically there's a team of listeners who work together to produce transcripts of my podcast episodes and they need your help. And that's why I'm mentioning this. So you can get involved in the Transcript Collaboration Project. Yes, you. Um, I know I've got lots of people who listen to this podcast and who never visit the website. They never leave comments. They don't do any of the Transcript Collaboration stuff. They're ninjas, basically. They're just Luke's English Podcast ninjas hiding in the shadows or up in the trees or something. I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want, you know. It's that kind of thing. A lot of ninjas out there in the darkness. So I'm basically appealing to those of you who never visit the website and who've never considered taking part in the transcript collaboration to come forwards because um, we need you. The transcript uh, project needs you. And this is actually really good for everyone. Um, It helps me because I can offer the scripts on my website. So that's kind of adding value to my website and all that stuff. Uh, It's good for... Uh, lower level listeners of this podcast because they can check the finished scripts to help them to study the English more easily. So transcripts can be a really great uh, aid in um, people's English learning. It's it's just a great thing that people can use. Um, And it's really good for you because transcribing um, episodes, transcribing speech is actually a really intensive way of improving your English. Listening to every single word and writing it down is intensive practice that pushes your English in a number of ways. It's good for listening, for pronunciation awareness, uh, vocabulary and grammar, and lots of things like that. It's just a really sort of rounded form of way of practicing and sort of focusing your attention on every single word. Um, intensive listening is quite different to general listening. So when I say general listening, I mean just the sort of listening that you do when you stick the headphones in and you maybe you're walking to work or you're on the train or something or you're doing something else. And you're just sort of like just enjoying listening. You're not necessarily trying to identify every single syllable. You're just getting the global picture. So that's general listening. And intensive listening is when you're you could be trying to transcribe it, you know, like in a dictation exercise. And you're trying to literally identify yeah every single sound every single word and write it down that's intensive listening and that's quite different to general listening it's like looking at the living english language under a microscope um and it kind of reveals many different things it, it can reveal to you um where you're lacking in your listening or your vocabulary and it can also reveal to you things that you hadn't noticed when you pay a bit more attention um, and also it focuses you and one of the another thing you can do when you're doing this you don't obviously you don't have to just write the words down you can actually repeat the things you're hearing as well and that's called shadowing and that's proven to be a good uh, technique for improving your speaking your pronunciation and so on so you can learn a lot more and in a lot more detail by doing this uh, intensive listening when you're transcribing episodes. Now, you might be thinking, I can't transcribe a whole episode of the podcast. Well, don't worry, you don't have to do that. You don't have to transcribe a whole episode. This is the benefit of working in a team with other listeners. Um, You don't have to do the whole episode. You can just do three minutes. Yep, just three minutes. Uh, Because in the Transcript Collaboration Project, episodes are divided up into three-minute chunks. And each member of the team does a different three-minute section. 
And together, by working on different parts of an episode, you, as a team, create the whole transcript. Um, and uh, it's surprising how quickly a whole episode gets transcribed using this method. Uh, but the team needs willing participants. There need to be uh, a number of people working on it for it to properly work, all right? So this is like a real collective uh, project. Now, the more people get involved in this, the more effective the whole project is. Uh, there's no like ulterior motive for me here. I'm not doing this so I can sell stuff to you or anything. There's no other motive than just the action of producing transcripts. Uh, it's a good project, and the project manager, who at the moment is Antonio, uh, Antonio recently asked me to encourage you on this podcast to take part in the transcript collaboration because he knows that it can be a big success and he just wants to try and get more people involved. Um, to find out more and to contribute your three minutes of transcription to any episode, uh, just click on the transcript um, collaboration um, button in the menu on my website. Um, and you'll find the details there, okay, including Antonio's email address and all the other information. So go to the website, transcripts in the menu, and then transcript collaboration, and that's where you'll find the details. Okay, so that's just what I wanted to say about the transcript collaboration. Let's now turn to the main subject of this episode, and that is the idea of switching off your editor. Um, and the principle is, um, and I'm going to explain this, switching off your editor to unlock your creativity can really help you to learn English. Now, in the last episode, episode 400, I told you a long and very silly story about a pink gorilla. Uh, the point of that was to celebrate uh, my 400th episode by having some fun and hopefully making you laugh a bit, as well as giving you more English listening practice. Also, for me, it was a kind of an exercise in creativity. Um, I began the episode by talking about this idea of switching off your editor in order to allow yourself to be creative. Switching off your editor, yeah. Uh, so I talked about that. Then I switched off my editor and I improvised a comedy story for you to listen to. And now in this episode, I'd like to reconsider the idea of switching off your editor and then clarify that in the context of learning English. Now you might think, what's this editor? What are you, what are you talking about? Uh, what do you mean by switch off my editor? What are you going on about, Luke? Um, well, first of all, I should credit the, the idea and maybe the phrase of uh, switching off your editor to someone I know called Logan Murray. Logan Murray is a bit of a legend in the London stand-up comedy circuit and in other parts of the country. Logan Murray. Um, he's a legend because he does comedy writing workshops and he's written a great book about doing stand-up comedy, which is called Get Started in Stand-Up Comedy. Um, and I've, I've got the book, of course, and I read it regularly. And it's got lots of great ideas about how to come up with comedy ideas and how to be creative. It's not really about language learning. It's, in fact, it's not about language learning. It's about being a comedian. Um, now, for many of us who do stand-up comedy... Um, certainly if we're from London, Logan Murray is sort of like our comedy mentor. Uh, he's a bit of a guru for, for some of us. Uh, for me personally, the idea of switching off my editor is something that he taught to me and to other people in his workshops. 
And it really helped me to come up with lots of comedy ideas when I first started writing stand-up material. And I find that the idea is still very true today, this idea of switching off your editor. And it's something that I keep in mind a lot and I find it to be helpful in being creative. Um, Now, when I say your editor, I mean like that voice in your head which edits your work while you're producing it. That voice in your head that is telling you, well, you can't do that, you should do this. It's the part of you that says, no, don't do that, or that's ridiculous, you can't say that, or people will think you're stupid or, or uh, weird if you say that, um, and don't say the wrong thing, don't make a mistake, or you might hear your editor saying, you'd better not say anything at all because you might make a fool of yourself. That's the editor speaking. It's the one that's kind of like concerned with doing things perfectly and getting the exact right results and so on. Now, um, we all have that editor in our head. It's not just when we're doing creative work or when we're trying to practice um, a new language. Uh, It's always there kind of sort of controlling the way in which we do things. Um, Now, making an effort to switch off that voice. I'm calling it a voice. It's just, obviously, it's just part of your thought process. But making an effort to switch that off, like the way you switch off a light, you know, you just switch it off. That can help you become very productive as part of a wider creative process. And I think it applies to many things that involve creativity, including language learning. And I include language learning here as a sort of creative act. In fact, I think that creativity is a big part of the mastery of a language. And I've got a couple of quotes here from from people that will sort of support that claim. So one quote is from a guy called Libor Stepanek, who is a professor of English from the Czech Republic. And um, Libor has said, um, language is creative by its very nature. We can express or communicate one idea in many different ways. Every single sentence, phrase or word that we say or write is created in a unique moment of communication and can be recreated, reformulated, paraphrased or changed according to the goals of the speaker or writer. So that was from Libor Stepanek, a professor of English. Um, Also, another quote here from um, Alan Malley, who is a bit of a legend in the TEFL world. I say TEFL, that means teaching English as a foreign language. So he's a bit of a legend among English language teachers. And Alan Malley is the former chair of the of IATEFL. That's like an international association for English language teachers. He's also edited various uh, teaching materials and books that are published by Oxford. So this is Alan Malley's um, quote, and he said, uh, linguistic creativity in particular is so much part of learning and using language that we tend to take it for granted. Yet from the ability to formulate new utterances to the way a child tells a story to the skill of a stand-up comedian to the genius of Shakespeare, linguistic creativity is at work. So these quotes for me show that creativity is very much present in our ability to use language effectively. It's true, really, when you think about it. When you're producing English, you are using words or sounds in combination, creating utterances, sentences, paragraphs, arguments, or any kind of complex message. So you are creating uh, messages. Um, You take the materials that are available to you, uh, words, 
um, sounds and you build that into something that represents what you're thinking. It involves your imagination, your sense of ambition, uh, your vision and everything else uh, in a small way. It involves these things when you're just stringing a sentence together and it involves creativity in a larger way when you're constructing a larger point in a conversation or expressing a complex idea, writing an email, essay or report and just finding the way in which you can actually get those ideas out and realise them in the form of communication. So it is a creative process. So how is switching off your editor an important part of this creative process. And I say that it's, it is it is a part of the process. It's not the entire process. Um, so there's a really great presentation, which you can find on YouTube. Um, it, there's a video of it, and I think there's a script. If you find the page for this episode on my website, you'll see a link to this presentation. Uh, so there's this really great presentation by a British comedian called John Cleese. A lot of you will know who John Cleese is. If you've listened to my episodes about Monty Python's Flying Circus, the comedy group, then you'll also, you must know who John Cleese is. He's one of the members of the Monty Python comedy team, and he's sort of a national treasure, really, in the UK. Um, and, you know, a, just a, a great comedian and one of the members of this crazy team of comedians who came out with so many brilliant ideas and and wonderful comedy sketches and movies and things. So John Cleese did a presentation about creativity and he did it for a company called Video Arts some years ago. And it's it's all about creativity and it's excellent. It's really clear, it's really true and it's really funny as well. And uh, so I've just taken a quote from that presentation in which he talks about how creativity is not a talent that only some people have, but that it's actually just a mode of operation, like a way of working. And and because of that, because it's not like a, a talent that only certain people can hold, it means that we're all able to be more creative if we can just find a way of entering into a sort of creative way of thinking. And so Here's what here's the quote from that speech by uh, John Cleese, and he said, uh, "Psychologist Brian McKinnon showed in his research that the most creative people had simply acquired a facility for getting themselves into a particular mood, a way of operating, which allowed their natural creativity to function." In fact, McKinnon described this particular facility as an ability to play. Indeed, he described the most creative. Uh, when in this mood, as being childlike uh, because they were able to play with ideas to explore them, not for any immediate practical purposes, but just for enjoyment. So this creativity comes from play for its own sake. So to paraphrase John Cleese, um, and he goes on to explain this in more detail in his presentation, which you can watch later on if you want, um, creativity comes in two stages. Now, there's one stage in which you just let everything come out without limitations. That's the part that involves play and involves just messing around without limitations. Uh, Cleese calls it the open mode, and it involves no limitations, a spirit of play, and the motivation to do things just for their own enjoyment. Uh, the next stage is the refining of what you've created in the in the previous stage. And he calls this the closed mode or the kind of closed thinking. That mode is characterized by time deadlines, quality standards, and other sort of necessary limitations. For example, 
when working on a comedy sketch, when writing or creating a comedy sketch, for example, John Cleese and the Monty Python team might just let any old crazy idea come out. And they have like a lot of fun while doing it. Uh, And that's the open thinking stage. It's just like just messing around, playing around and letting the ideas come out freely. And then later they would refine those ideas, sort of tidy them up, edit them, order them and sort of cut the whole thing down and produce probably something like a script or a screenplay. So that's the result of the closed thinking stage. So the first stage is all about letting all the ideas spill out. And the second stage is about tidying them up, ordering them and then sort of moving on from there. So how does this relate to learning English? Well, I think that creativity has a part to play in our language development. And when we just speak in conversation, we're constantly producing language and editing it while we while we go. And when we're writing, this is perhaps even more evident because we type, we stop to think, we delete things, we rearrange the paragraphs that we've written. And then, you know, so there's editing going on in the production process. When we're speaking, both parts of the creative process are working at the same time. You're kind of letting the ideas come out and you're also editing it while they're produced, you know. And so there's sort of like two two um, things going on. There's two skills or something. There's fluency on one hand and then accuracy on the other hand. All right. So fluency and accuracy at work. Now, I'm going to talk about accuracy first and then sort of move on to deal with fluency in more detail. So the accuracy part is dealt with by your editor, let's say. Okay, that's where the the editor analogy comes in. So imagine you've got like an editor when you're when you're speaking English, uh, even when you're speaking your first language, it's the same. I guess it's the same process. It's just that the editor's like slightly less competent in English or he's got less time or he's more stressed out or something. Anyway, the editor is like it's more difficult, it seems, when you're doing it in another language. So. Talking about accuracy, and this means sort of like speaking, producing English without errors and saying exactly the right word in exactly the right way, in exactly the right form, at exactly the right moment. So that's accuracy. Um, And that part is dealt with by this editor who lives in your head. um, And he's got a copy of a grammar book there with him. And he's like flying through the grammar book. Maybe he's got like an internet connection as well, which is a slightly bad internet connection. And he's got like English grammar in use and like, oh, he's, he's, he frowns, he points out errors to you, he corrects you and sort of shouts out grammar rules and things like that. Okay, so that's the editor in your head that's trying to get you to produce correct English. He's important, of course, for avoiding mistakes and saying exactly the right thing, but he can kill your fluency, you know? I mean, I'm sure that many of you've had that experience when you're trying to speak English or whatever other language it is that you're learning. In in this case, it's English. Um, that you just sort of, your sentences grind to a halt because you get caught up in, oh, is it this tense or this? Is it the ING form or is it an infinitive? And, you know, what's the rule for the ED ending here? And, oh God, the editor is like totally taking over at that point. So he's important for creating correct uh English. Um, But he can kill your inspiration and he can really affect your confidence. And confidence is vital 
you know, because confidence is the fuel and the lubrication that keeps the wheels spinning at all times, you know. Confidence is what you need to keep your fluency flying high, let's say. Confidence is what you need to keep the fluency moving all the time. You need that sort of confidence that sort of pushes you through the 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 sort of grammar stuff that your editor is saying in your ear, all right? So, your internal editor is definitely important. There's no doubt about it. And of course, accuracy is massively important too when talking about the end product of your English, you know. Uh, it's, it should be accurate. But sometimes you have to work on different aspects of your English independently in order to make big steps that allow you to make big steps in other areas. You know what I mean? Like we all know that we want to produce correct English but at the same time, just sort of producing English in the first place and just um, getting a sort of operational fluency is really important. And if you can sort of make a, 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 you can make progress in your fluency, you can then actually fix the grammar as well. You see what I mean? Like you need to actually be able to produce English before you can correct it. So fluency may be the first thing you've got to work on. You've got to try and get over that confidence issue where your brain is caught up in, you know, um, your brain is focusing on being correct and so you don't speak and you're not producing enough. So if we assume that producing English is the goal and that correcting it later on is some, you know, is also a secondary goal, uh, let's talk about this. Um, all right. So in this episode, I'm not talking about accuracy. I'm focusing on the fluency. And I've done lots of accuracy-related episodes before in which I talk about grammar and things like that. What I'm talking about now is how you can develop your fluency and how sometimes it's good to stop listening to that inner editor and, 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 and just let yourself go. And, and also, this relates to how my crazy pink gorilla stories can help illustrate this point. Um, so if we just look at developing fluency with a focus on spoken fluency in particular. And you could apply these ideas to writing, but I'm mainly talking about speaking here. It's a question of practising the creation of fluid English, in which ideas are turned into speech without much hesitation. If you're interested in building your fluency, it can be useful to switch off your editor in that situation and just focus on freely producing English. And I don't mean like in every situation... You know, I don't mean like if you go to the bank and you need to open a bank account in English, you shouldn't really open, you shouldn't switch off your editor in that situation. You shouldn't be like just delivering a stream of consciousness to the to the guy at the bank because obviously that that's not the right time. So you need to do this in the right time and place, maybe in a safe environment for practicing English. You know, like a speaking situation which has been agreed with the other participants in advance. You know, the, the idea is that you, it, it's a safe space where you can practice your English. For example, you could suggest with a language partner or with friends who, who are learning English with you or a study group or your English class or a one-to-one -one situation with a teacher. You could suggest in that situation that you spend some time without a particular language focus, just freely producing some English, probably a conversation or a speaking game or a speaking club or something like that. It could be offline in an appropriate place somewhere or online on Skype or something like that. So you could suggest 
um, an activity or an exercise that will allow you to switch off your editor and focus on just being productive. And then after some practice of just producing English with your editor switched off, you can then examine what you produced and then let the editor come back. You analyse what you did, you notice mistakes and you learn from them and you make progress. So there's like several stages again. There's the open uh, speaking stage where you switch off the editor and then a second stage where you kind of analyse the the stuff that came out in the previous stage. Um, Now, switching off your internal editor for a while can allow you to just be really creative, allowing you to practice the Uh, your productive skills and build your fluency. You can then develop the accuracy later by analysing and correcting the English that you produced. Now, here's another example of the use of switching off your editor. Uh, And it's an example of like writers. It could be novelists or even people trying to write academic essays. Now, sometimes writers get writer's block. Have you ever heard of writer's block? That's where uh, the writer just can't seem to produce anything. It's that feeling of staring at a blank page because you can't produce any writing or starting a paragraph and then constantly going back, editing it, deleting it, rewriting it. You're just stuck in that one paragraph or stuck at the beginning of an essay or something. Writer's block. It's hell. I actually sometimes experience that at the beginning of of, uh, podcast episodes. I do get like a sort of a block. I hit record on my recorder and then I can't quite get it right at the beginning. And my internal editor just keeps stepping in and I get that feeling of like, oh, no, I can't say that. That's ridiculous. Or, oh, no, you sort of said the wrong word or you paused for too long. Sometimes the editor is just really sort of um, making life difficult for me. Um, so occasionally I have to just switch off the editor to, uh, to even start an episode. Um, now, one approach that people use to break writer's block is to switch off the editor and just write without worrying what you produce. And you might think, yeah, but what are the results going to be? It doesn't matter. The main thing is that you just get the get some words on the page because you've got to get some content on that page before you can then refine it. It's very hard to make progress when you can't even start. So, uh, you know, and they say that starting is the hardest part. So start with no limitations. Um, just produce whatever comes into your head and then refine it later. Some people use techniques like, for example, they dim the screen of their computer. They, they sort of like um, turn off the screen or cover the screen so that they can't judge their own work and edit it. And just turning off the screen means that they just type, 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 and all this stuff comes out. And they're not tempted to kind of go back and, and check and edit things. Um, and, and that actually helps people to keep writing. And what happens is, what they do then is when they've finished, they reveal the screen and reveal what they created. And then, bingo, there's loads of stuff there. Now, it might not be the best work in the world, but surprisingly enough, there it is. You've, ha- you've actually made a start and now you've got something to work with and you can actually sort of edit in edit the stuff that you produced freely before. So the point is, It's hard to develop work which doesn't exist yet. Um, And switching off the editor allows the work to manifest itself and you can then work with it and develop it. Now, for your English, this can mean doing speaking sessions in which there's no correction or no concern about perfection. But there is lots of imagination, lots of creativity 
and vibrant ideas being turned into language, a lot of focus on just getting your message across, making connections with the people you're talking to. And this is good for fluency. It's good for practicing and developing your fluency, your productive skills, and your sense of confidence. Um, Now, next is the analysis stage, which is where you kind of switch the editor back on and you work to identify errors and room for improvement. If you've got a teacher or a language partner, this person could help in this process by noting errors and, and sort of writing down feedback during the production stage. And then they would help you by going through that feedback with you. Also, you could record the speaking session, the kind of the, the no editor speaking session. You could record that and listen back to it. And when you listen back to it, that's when you have the editor on. Now, um, a lot of people uh, hate to listen back to themselves. Uh, nobody likes the sound of their own voice. Uh, so if you if that doesn't feel like a, a pleasant prospect, then, well, don't worry, that's totally normal. But listening to yourself can actually um, be a really good way of, of sort of identifying errors. So, right, you got it? Switch off the editor, speak, 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 recording, uh, and then stop the recording, and then switch the editor back on, and then analyse what you produced before. And don't worry if you can't stand the sound of your own voice, that's that's kind of normal. Um, you might, as I said, you might need a teacher to help you in this process because, uh, you know, they can identify things and use their experience and their knowledge and stuff like that. Uh, and when you're listening, don't judge yourself too harshly. Notice the good things that you're doing and feel good about those things as well. Um, So, yeah, you will need a teacher or language partner to help you with the feedback and the error correction. Anyone with good English can be that person. But, of course, it's better if the person is a teacher because they'll probably, you know, be able to help you more easily because of their experience and their knowledge. And then you can do more focused practice. Sort of later, as a third stage, you can do more focused practice on the areas that you think you need improvement with. So that's how you can use the technique of switching off your editor to improve your fluency in English speaking and later to improve your accuracy as well, right? So switch off the editor, no sort of negative limiting thoughts, let it all come out, just let it all fly out like spaghetti. Um, It's a slightly strange analogy maybe, but you know what I mean. Just let let all the ideas and thoughts come out without limitations, and just keep going. And don't don't worry, don't stress too much about correct uh, about perfection. Um, and then a second stage, you go back and you analyze and you you identify room for improvement, and you you notice mistakes and correct them, and you kind of like fix things, and you remember next time not to do it. And then the third stage, you could go back to the 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 the. Uh, the same task without the editor again and do it again and you'll probably find that your accuracy has gone up and your fluency has gone up in that process. Um, So now if you're going to do that in a class uh, in your English lesson or in a one-to-one situation, uh, just make sure that everyone understands what you're doing and agrees to it. Um, Obviously the teacher is the one who decides what happens in classes um, you might have a teacher who's receptive to ideas. You might be in a class full of people who are receptive to ideas. It's It can be a bit tricky to kind of suggest activities. And that's what I'm going to talk about 
uh, at this point. So if you have a one-to-one teacher, that's obviously easier because it's more of a collaboration between two people. But if you if you do have a one-to-one teacher and you want them to try this process with you, then you might need to expre- explain briefly. So you'd need to explain it to your teacher, right? Uh, so that they're on the same page as you. And you, it might be necessary to just briefly explain that you'd like some practice without correction for a while. that you'd like the teacher to note down your errors during a natural conversation without interrupting you and then spend some time going through those errors and perhaps um, working on uh, the areas where you were making mistakes. Now, hopefully, your teacher will be receptive to your suggestion and will be willing to do this. But you should remember, of course, that teachers have their own ways of doing things and they might not be receptive to other techniques and suggestions from the students or students. So it's up to you really to discuss that with the teacher. But just remember that the teacher probably has prepared. They've probably got their own fixed method. They've got their own way of doing things. So you've got to be a bit careful about suggesting new techniques uh, and activities Try not to rub the teacher up the wrong way by telling them how to do their own job. Okay, and let me repeat that because it's kind of important. Beware of telling your teacher how to do their own job because teachers in general, of course, we don't really like that. Um, I mean, we we, obviously we're receptive to ideas and I think open-minded teachers are willing to try new things. But in my experience, um, you know, just think about the average teacher Think about the hours that they've spent in their in training, the hours that they've spent developing their, their their skills, and the hours that they've spent practicing and preparing for lessons and things like that. Of course, they're going to have their own ideas of how things should be done, and so it 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 can be a little sort of rude or inappropriate to try to tell the teacher how they should do their own job. So, if you're going to suggest activities, make sure you do it in a sort of respectful and sort of tentative way you know like oh um, I was listening to you know you could say I was listening to Luke's English podcast and he was talking about this idea of um, uh, free practice um, without correction followed by um, you know a a period in which we we um, focus on the errors and analyze the the language that I produced in the free section and I was just wondering if we could do a similar activity maybe we could spend half an hour just talking about whatever subject um, and and don't correct me and instead just sort of encourage me and um, like help me to build my ideas and you know just sort of like support me in as I create our English conversation on the go and then after and, and write down any errors that you notice if you can and then afterwards it would be great if you could then kind of go through those errors and uh, and and help me to correct them and then perhaps we could use that as the basis for um, for some more language practice in the future. Now, uh, I wonder, you could try doing that. Just be aware that the teacher might think, oh, no, I don't want the student to tell me how to do my job. But who knows? I don't know what your teacher's like. Maybe they will be receptive. The teacher might go, yeah, OK, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> then let's do that. Um, so see, it might be uh, worth suggesting it. Just, you know be aware that the teacher's got their own version of doing uh, their own way of doing things and if it's a uh, if it's a group class you'll obviously need to take into account the preferences of everyone else in the group and they might not appreciate you trying to dictate the direction of the class but anyway 
you know, if you're going to suggest these sorts of things with a teacher or with a group, obviously it's it's important to do it in a respectful, polite way and don't try and be bossy and, and stuff like that because it can rub people up the wrong way. R- to rub someone up the wrong way. Rub, you know, you rub... Like if your if your hands are cold, you rub. If you're if you're cold, you rub your skin, and it heat it heats you up. So that's to rub something. If if you um, oh I don't know if you've got like a uh, a metal trophy and it's a bit old, you would get a cloth and rub the trophy and make it shiny again. That's to rub. Also, you might a bit like a cat. You'd stroke a cat, but you could you don't really rub a cat. But to rub something up the wrong way. Up the wrong way. Now, I wonder what's the best way of explaining this. Okay, let's say a piece of wood, like a wooden table. You want to smooth the, the wood on the table. So you you rub the table with sandpaper. You know what I mean? You're using sandpaper to rub the, the wood of the table. Now, there's a right way to rub the, the wood and a wrong way to rub it. If you rub the wood up the wrong way, then it's going to create a rough surface. But if you rub the wood in the right direction, it's going to create the, uh, a smooth surface. Similarly, you can rub someone up the wrong way. Rub, rub someone up the wrong way. And it means kind of like irritate them, frustrate them, maybe make them angry, kind of put them in a bad mood or something. I guess in any, in any walk of life, uh, any walk of life, people can rub you up the wrong way. I'll give you an example from um, uh, when I worked in a shop. So I used to get customers who would just be really rude. And they'd be like, I want this now. Why isn't this on the shelf? I want it now. And you'd be like, oh, bloody hell. I'm afraid it's not available. Good day. You know, you kind of, there's there's a way of dealing with people in a smooth way. And then if you sort of are too rude or you're not respectful enough, then you can rub people up the wrong way. So imagine day one of a one-to-one lesson, uh, a series of one-to-one lessons is day one. I meet the student and we sit down together and I say, okay, my name's Luke. I'm I'm here to help you with your English. Uh, Here's a program that I thought we could use. And we're going to start by looking at this grammar and speaking. And the student goes, well, I don't like the grammar. No, no, I don't don't think that's a very good idea. No, I don't like your plan. I'll be like, bloody hell. It's not a very nice person. This is going to be difficult. So they're rubbing me up the wrong way. You see, it doesn't happen often, of course. Anyway, so just be aware of making suggestions with uh, your teacher or with your class because you don't want to rub people up the wrong way. So there you go. I've just been rambling on about uh, how switching off your editor can help you to build your fluency and how you can use that as a means of then sort of becoming more creative and more fluent um, and and then um, after that, reflecting on your English and finding room for improvement. So you might need to make a big step in fluency before you can make a big step in accuracy, you see. And if you're too focused on accuracy, then you're not going to get anywhere because if you're too focused on accuracy, you'll never produce any English at all. Um, all right. Remember that English is about what you can do. It's not just about what you know. It's all well and good knowing all the grammar, but that's useless to you if you're not actually able to produce fluent, fluid sentences quickly uh, and express ideas effectively. So get the fluency there and then work on the accuracy, okay? And obviously you'll need a safe space to work on that fluency. Um, okay, now that's ways that you can improve your English with this idea. 
Uh, as for me, uh, and how this relates to episode 400, um, in the last episode, the, this pink gorilla story, I switched off my editor and I had a lot of fun creating the pink gorilla story. I hope that you had some fun listening to it as well. Now, you might not have found that funny. I don't know. That's a question of taste. It's up to you. Uh, although saying that, I have had comments from people saying that they laughed their heads off. Uh, I hope your head is back on now. Uh, y- yes, it's possible to laugh things off. Like, obviously, there's uh, L. L-M-A-O, which is like internet slang, lmao, and that means laughing my ass off. If That means you laughed so much that your ass fell off. Um, and you can also laugh your head off as well. Uh, that means you laugh so much that your head comes off. Well, if you did laugh your head off, then I hope that your head is okay. I hope it's reattached to your body now. Um, now, I feel quite proud of episode 400. Because basically, because I came up with a lot of material and content in that episode. And here is how that is good, in my opinion. So first of all, that's good because it meant that I created more content for my podcast and that I created it efficiently. So it didn't take me that much time. I made a full episode, which I hope is entertaining, without doing a lot of preparation in advance. So switching off the editor can just sort of like open up the floodgates of creativity. And it means that in my case, for episode 400, I didn't have to spend loads of time preparing the story in advance and writing it down and worrying about it and stuff. I just went, right, okay, I've got a basic idea. Switch off the editor, let's go. And so it it, it meant I was very productive and efficient. Um, Second reason, it produced lots of spontaneous language which I can now use as the basis of language analysis in other episodes of this podcast. There's a lot to learn from episode 400, I think, just like other episodes and other resources uh, of, of English. I could go through the story and pick out the phrases, the double meanings and the other references, which I could then teach to you and clarify in later episodes of this podcast. So it's kind of like given me more material to work with. And then thirdly, um, how switching off my editor helped me. Um, it, cr- it helped me to create comedy material. I could now go through that that Pink Gorilla episode and turn it into a one-man show for the stage. Now, it, obviously, it will need editing. It will need rewriting. It will need refining and production values and stuff like that. But I think that I could get quite an original one-hour, one-man comedy show from what I produced. I've certainly got a first draft. I'd need to develop it, practice it, and, you know, spend time on it with that kind of closed thinking process, the editor. But I've got the raw material that now could be refined into potentially a comedy show or at least um, some comedy material that I could then use on stage. So I hope that you see the benefit of switching off your editor sometimes. It can make you very productive. And also, I find that switching off my editor, and here's another point, I find it to be quite healthy because we all judge ourselves quite harshly. And this can make us a bit unhappy and depressed at times, you know, just like constantly sort of judging yourself all the time. Switching off the editor can be liberating and it can make you feel good about yourself. And it's, it's cathartic and therapeutic. And I think that's really important 
in today's world. Uh, but of course, be careful. Choose the right moment to do it. Don't just switch off your editor all the time in every scenario, of course. Don't do that in normal social situations and conversations. You still need to respect general customs, behavioural etiquette, social norms. And if you start coming out with ridiculous free-form comments or stories in your conversations, people might just think that you're a bit of a weirdo. Uh, so there is an appropriate time and place for switching off your editor for example, when you're trying to produce some work, and doing so can make you very productive. So there you go. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Uh, I've been rambling on for over 50 minutes now, but um, I, I hope that you agree that there are some interesting points in there and that you find that useful in your general uh, journey towards um, proficiency in English. And why not try out some of the ideas I mentioned, or at least think about them? Um, okay, that's the end of this episode. I'm going to be back on the podcast talking to you pretty soon. Uh, I've got some episodes in the pipeline. Um, I recently spoke to my dad um, over Skype. Uh, we had a conversation about what's been going on in the news recently. So there's a, a Rick Thompson report coming up and also some other stuff that I've got uh, in the pipeline. So you can look forward to that. Don't forget to... Sign, uh, sign up to the mailing list on the website. Uh, just go to the website in the top right-hand corner. You'll see the mailing list uh, form. Just put your email address in there. That's the quickest way to get access to the page for every new episode. You'll just get an email in your inbox. Click on the link and Bob's your uncle. You'll be on the page for the episode. Um, and then you'll be able to do things like read any transcripts or notes, check links, videos, uh, go, go into the comments section get into the transcript collaboration page and all that stuff, okay? So sign the mailing list. What else? I think that's pretty much it. Don't forget the Luke's English podcast anecdote competition is still rolling and um, the 10 anecdotes are still waiting for you to vote uh, for them. Um, so just think about that. That was a few episodes ago. You can still hear that episode. You can hear all the anecdotes. You can listen to them again individually on the uh, on the page for the anecdote competition round two. So head over there, uh, listen to the anecdotes again and vote for your favourites. Um, the voting closes. Oh, can I remember? It closes in about six days time. I think it's on the 27th of November. All the details are on the page for uh, the anecdote competition round two and you'll find a blue button on the website that will take you directly to that page. All right then, thanks for listening. And that's the end of episode 401. Um, and 402 will be uh, arriving in your area at some point soon. Thanks a lot, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365 day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humor and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.